Hello and welcome to the Get Peachy podcast. This episode is a discussion between myself, uh, Caroline from Coaching with Caroline and Katie from West Beach Challenges. You've probably heard us a couple of times on the podcast before. Um, And if you haven't, I hope you enjoy our discussions together. Um, This topic is all around building muscle and moving away from the mindset of, we always focus on fat loss, but actually we don't focus enough on building muscle and what we can do to build muscle and how building muscle improves our health. So really thinking and moving away from I need to lose fat to actually I need to build muscle and having that kind of mindset. So I hope you enjoy this discussion. This discussion was inspired by a podcast that Katie just mentioned and I'm going to actually link that podcast in the show notes because I think it was a really really good podcast. Um, But anyway I hope you enjoy this episode and if you do don't forget to like, share, subscribe and reach out to us. Let us know what you found helpful in this podcast and if there's anything else you would like us to discuss in this this type of scenario, this kind of podcast episode, then please give us a shout because we love talking about health and fitness topics. Um, Enjoy. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm trying to do a crazy thing, which is bring in two very, actually three very special humans <laughs> into our little private Facebook group today. So welcome, Eric, to the world. So amazing, Angie has had a baby. And uh, obviously, awesome, Caroline, if you uh, haven't met her before. So you may be also listening to this on the podcast, in which case you won't see how cute Eric is. So all I can say is, Try and try and watch the live. Um, we are coming in today. It's going to be short. It's going to be quite sharp, but it's all about probably two of my favorite things in the whole world, which is to discuss muscle and it's to discuss protein. And it was completely inspired by a podcast I was listening to, um, the Dr. Chatterjee podcast. And it was this phenomenal doctor. And she was just talking about the fact that we worry far, far too much about being over fat and we don't worry enough about being under muscled. And the whole premise of the podcast, and this really kind of blew my mind, but it was about the fact that we need to think about our skeletal muscle being the largest organ of the body. And we need to think about it as an endocrine organ. So obviously something that's influencing hormones, it's like this nutrient seeking organ. And actually as like just kind of women generally, I think we can be so busy with sort of wanting to live in these smaller bodies that we're always on this pursuit of shrinkage. And actually we probably have maybe put our energy into the wrong place because we do ourselves, so our future selves so much more of a favor if we started to get a little bit more uh, interested in the idea of what being stronger would look like, what eating more protein would look like, how we can create. And she talks about muscle being armor, which again, I absolutely loved. Um, so I, I'm not sure if you two listen to the podcast, but maybe let's go to you first, um, Caroline, your thoughts on the topic of, yeah, just muscle building this armor, whether we need to start putting more of our energy into um, this pursuit. I did. I listened to, I listened to it. And one of the most, one of the wonderful things that, that she mentioned in there, and it really kind of hit me, you know, when someone says something, it just hits you square in between the eyes and you're like, oh my goodness, stop. You just have that penny drop moment was when she mentioned about obesity, we have made steps to, to progress in our fight against so many diseases that uh, the human race is faced with. And yet obesity is the only thing that's getting worse. 
Yeah. We're not solving the problem. And I don't think anyone's looking at the a different approach. No one's looking at a an out-of-the-box way to uh way to approach obesity. And muscle is a different way to to look at it. And I find it really interesting the way that we actually all coach individually is that none of us are really, really focused on scale weight, scale weight, scale weight, scale weight. I know there is so much more to the way that we coach our clients that actually it lends itself to this idea of armor, strength, promoting muscle, um, all performance, feeling, energy, all of these things that correlate with muscle gain and don't have as much emphasis on fat per se. But the irony is that losing fat is always going to be a byproduct, but it's what you focus on, doesn't it? Yeah. It's give you that focus. And I loved what you said about shrinkage there, Katie, and that focus that we all often have on shrinkage. And I don't know about you, but anytime that I've strived for shrinkage, it's very often equated in weakness because mm-hmm. there hasn't been that, that feeling of, I'm just going to get as small as possible. And with that has actually been something that's quite fragile at the end of it. And I think what we're promoting here is, is the complete opposite. And we're looking at strength. And I think there's always been this tendency to think of muscle as a trophy rather than an essential. So muscle is this thing that we, that we, it's almost an option Whereas the conversation that was had on that podcast was very much that it's an essential. It's yeah. not It's not an optional extra. It's not something that it would be nice to have. It's something that we all need to look at as, as an essential. That was my takeaway from it. Yeah, I really love that because I think, yeah, again, that focus on what you need more of rather than what you need less of it kind of I know all of us have that value system we're going to come to Angie she's pointing she's like yes um but yeah that kind of abundance mindset like as soon as you switch your focus to actually like on this new like if you're listening to this and you're already sort of thinking oh actually I do need to start improving my lifestyle like rather than having the focus of fat loss if you did just have the focus of actually I want to get stronger I want to put down more skeletal muscle I want to kind of be future proofing my body it's impact like all the words you just used about the shrinkage pathway where it takes you to like taking up less space like being a bit smaller weak actually if you go on this other kind of journey of wanting to build skeletal muscle it's empowering you're going to feel stronger you're going to have to nourish your body differently if you've got this pursuit of being stronger <laughs> eric's got a lot to say about it and as i know Sorry, he's got a bit of a, a chesty cough at the moment yeah i was just going to say at the same i listened to it and the the bit i what i took from it was we do need to focus more on what we get more of instead of what we get less of or whatever that quote is excuse the baby brain because I think as society, we're always focusing on what do I want to lose rather than what do I want to gain? And I think when you, if you have a fat loss goal, having that mindset of I'm going to gain more muscle, what do I gain from this? You know, what do I gain from this quote unquote diet? What do I gain from this workout instead of what am I losing? You know, or what am I burning? Mm. I think that that focus on what can we get more of is so key and what really struck me as well when they talked about the age so obviously when you get to 30 you start to lose muscle now I'm 33 I've just had a baby and I've lost a lot of muscle in pregnancy like I can phys- physically see it in my body I've lost a lot of uh, muscle now breastfeeding like a lot of what 
all of my tissue and everything that's been made for me like is now going to him and I know as soon as I sort of gave birth and a few weeks after I was like I want to get my strength back like if anything yes I can understand you know I'm going to talk about postnatally but from a postnatal perspective you know you might have gained weight in pregnancy you might be fatter and you might not look like yourself but in order to move forward from that you need to gain muscle you don't need to lose fat as as such like if you focus on the gaining muscle side that will support you and then you know we move into perimenopause and menopause where again we lose muscle so we're always losing and what we need to focus on is actually gaining yeah and actually I was listening to what everyone knows I love listening to podcasts but it's such a shame isn't it because if we think about our hormones like why in our 20s and 30s we were why were we so obsessed about getting as skinny as possible because our hormones then were more anabolic like we were in an amazing place to build muscle and that is just going downhill probably for every single person that's listening you're losing like one to two percent of your like muscle mass a year like it's downward slide but rather than, yeah, just the focus has been all wrong. So if you have always been in the pursuit of like fat loss, shrinkage, like you need to optimize your hormones. They'll never be better than they are today. And we need to start kind of as much as possible from a longevity point of view and from a quality of life point of view. And she talks about the literature between the two and it's all very well, like living a long time, but you want the quality of life to correlate with the length of your life. And that's very massively correlated with your muscle mass you're going to live a better quality life if you live in a more muscled body um Caroline I can see you're wanting to say something no do you know what really hit me and I think we kind of maybe even glossed over the point of what the actual the advantage to having more muscle on your frame actually gives you and the thing that hit me was the the association between the the increased muscle mass and the decrease in your legs of alzheimer's coronary heart disease the fund diabetes fundamental yeah. huge issues in our society that can really be it was the one blanket thing that all health professionals uh, associated with improving health markers was the muscle mass yeah and this is the thing that if you if that is not a big enough reason for you to want to make changes and particularly for women osteoporosis you want to ease the symptoms of menopause um if that's important to you do something about it take yeah. action I mean, and I hadn't even really, really thought about it being this organ and the biggest organ we have is our skeletal muscle and the fact that it's the site of glucose disposal, like that's why it's stopping you hopefully getting type two diabetes. It's, you know, a safe space for you to store that glucose and obviously have energy um, going around your body. But I don't know, like, again, so many things just struck me as like, right okay because I think for lots of the women we work with they want to understand the why and there is still this perception hopefully not held by anyone who's coached by us but oh I don't I don't want to look bulky like I don't physically want to shift into a body that looks muscular I think to emphasize the point that it's very very hard it's not it's very hard to put on muscle mass it's not something that's going to happen overnight it's not something to be wary of it's the net gain the net positive is is huge it's not something that you are i know there is that perception and i know there is that 
but you want to have control over your body. You want to have control over your shape. You want to have control over, I mean, I don't know if either of you have experienced this and Angie, I've never been through pregnancy, so I can't relate necessarily to loss of muscle mass in, in that condition. But I particularly remember in, in lockdown, going from having heavy resistance trained you know, five days a week to going to, to kind of a home workout format where we didn't have the same volume of, of weight, I definitely felt the change to my own frame. And that's a personal thing. And if anyone has ever experienced getting skinny fat, do you know what I mean by that? When you diet very, very hard, but don't supplement with the appropriate amount of, of exercise, resistance training primarily, you end up with a frame that is there's not much shape there. Yeah. And I think when you're in those bodies, they're the bodies where your weight fluctuates wildly, like wildly. Like when I have been like probably less trained and just dieting a lot, like back in the day, like I, my weight could just go up like by half a stone. It just felt like it was so, there was nothing stable. Muscle mass gives you that though. It is that stability. It yeah. is that. It, whereas I found in those, when I got very, very small and was in a body that it doesn't, I'm, I'm going from aesthetics here, which I know it's not something that we would, but it didn't look great. No. It was very, um, my skin felt different. My shape wasn't great. I didn't like the appearance of my, of my arms or legs, my stomach area. And also your energy is very, very low. Yeah. Because you don't have the stores to be able to, to utilize macronutrients properly. You don't have the, the ability to process in the same way. If you have a lot of muscle mass on your frame, everything just keeps in, a, in an equilibrium, nice, stable. Yeah, I do think it changes your mindset around nutrition as well, because the focus shifts, because you're sort of like, oh, I'm trying to support my body to grow this thing like I'm trying like it might be a good segue into us chatting about proteins again I thought her her recommendations will shock a lot of people not us probably but I think for lots of actual you know people just living and eating quite kind of regular diet wise um but actually it, it just shifts that focus as well rather than like oh actually how can I eat less and be less uh you know way less it's suddenly like oh actually I'm trying to build muscle what do I need more of so again it switches that around and you start to what have to look after your body better to support your goal of muscle gain well if you think of the premise that muscle works on a use it or lose it situation so just for context it does fluctuate in that if you don't continually use it and you don't continually fuel it in the form of nutrition that you're talking about, Katie, if you're not continually topping up those stores, it will go away because your body looks at it. It's okay. This isn't a necessity anymore. We don't need to have this. It will um, deplete. So if you want to flick that switch and have that focus on how do I keep this topped up? How do I maintain this? You have to follow certain patterns of eating to allow that to, to happen. Your body also uses muscle as a fuel source. So just remember, you know, if you are listening to this and you're somebody who kind of under eats to stay slim, you're eating away at your muscle. And I know, you know, that was something that I definitely did when I was much, much younger. I, you know, eat. Less. I'm sure we all have eat much less and, you know, stay slim. And actually what you're doing is just it's it's called catabolic. You know, it, it's eating away at your muscle mass. And yeah. you know, if you are under 30 and you're currently doing that, absolutely don't like make the most of the protein and and weight train because now 
that time is a really great time to build the muscle mass but it doesn't doesn't mean that when you're over 30 it's completely gone the lovely thing I think in that podcast that I took from it was we've got voluntary muscle that we can manipulate whereas you know your digestive system and your heart and everything's involuntary whereas actually we've got this huge voluntary muscle that we can manipulate we can work with and yes okay we might be losing muscle year upon year but that doesn't mean we can't do anything about it we can support it with protein we can lift heavy weights I also really liked that they discussed HIIT training and you know the benefits of that as well you know doesn't just have to be heavy lifting because I know not everybody likes that enjoys that um you know you can do yoga you can do Pilates you can do things that support muscle mass so finding a way that suits you is really important as well because I appreciate not everybody's going to enjoy going to the gym and doing deadlifts not everyone's going to enjoy CrossFit and that kind of thing you know and just talking about aesthetics there are going to be certain ways of lifting that can influence your shape for example crossfitters if you look at a female crossfitter they have a very athletic uh physique and that is because of the way that they train so you can do different types of training to support how you want to look so if you are somebody that quote unquote does gain muscle very fast and you don't like that look then you can do different things about it um, to support the muscle that you have without like it all going to waste, if that makes sense. I thought was really good, though. She also talked about because um, he gave the example of someone who carries like they walk back from the shops, they carry three bags of shopping and um, like they might feel that they are like being active enough. But the the stimulus is that obviously the muscle needs to stay is obviously it needs enough protein, but it needs stimulus. And I think for so many women and the reason why I think sometimes it's really helpful to have a trainer <laughs> is because people aren't very good at increasing their stimulus across time. There was, there was a study done. I don't know. I didn't get that far in the podcast. I got 20 minutes in. Um, but there was a study done recently, or it's just come around recently, on elderly um, clients, patients, whatever. And it was um, a study to suggest that walking is not enough. Yeah. So um, I can't remember... I'll try and find the study and share it with you. But basically they looked at um, a group of elderly patients and um, the ones that resistance trained and the ones that just walked and the ones that just walked showed higher rates of things like Alzheimer's, depression, da, 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 da. Like they just walked, whereas the people who actually strength trained and added resistance to their body had less of that. So I'll try and find that study. But I just found that really interesting because you do hear that quite a lot. Oh, I walk a lot but it isn't yeah. enough like yeah. and in fact if you think about it if you are depleting in muscle over the years and you're walking quite a lot and you're not applying the stimulus to your body you can tumble you can fall and if your body's not strong enough to deal with that you know you end up hurting yourself that's how hip replacements can happen and knee replacements can happen you know because you end up being yeah okay quite fit but quite frail you yeah. know yeah fit and frail yep if your body's not challenged, it won't change. It mm. needs to be put under that challenge. And I think particularly women, we hold back on challenging ourselves. I think it always comes from here. There's that glass ceiling on what can I lift? What am I capable of doing? I mean, I'm not talking about huge leaps and bounds all the time, but if you're progressing by 1% every time, that's progress. Think about the progress over the span of a year. Yeah. Small incremental challenges, changes, increase the weight, increase the reps, increase the, the time under tension, increase yeah. pauses, increase the, but you have to ask your body to do more than you have asked it to do before, because yeah. it's getting stronger. You need to push the bar forward, upwards, always. Yeah. 
and the stimulus initially for like anyone listening who's untrained your stimulus might be a body weight squat like that's fine that's your starting point but you can't just always body weight squat unless you maybe started to like weight it or you put a rucksack on you know there's so many different ways incrementally and that's what you're looking for you're looking for incremental changes you're looking to change the stimulus so it's appropriate to your developing level of fitness and strength over time um it's just yeah i i think it's lots of people you see them and they might be the ones that do an awful lot of gym classes. And when you physically kind of step back and look at them, you know, they've, they've maybe picked up the same dumbbells for five or six years. They've done the same classes, but actually they're weaker than when they were when they first picked up those same dumbbells because they haven't increased the stimulus. In and like think- the programming world, we call that progressive overload. Yeah. So, you know, you're not progressing over time, basically. So you go in, you do the same weights every single week you, and that way you just maintain and that way you can actually end up being skinny fat still like there's still you, you will still maintain some of that body fat because you're not building you're not providing enough stimulus to build muscle you're just kind of maintaining it so yeah. that's all that's happening is you're just yeah. getting better at doing the thing yeah. it's just getting easier and yeah. um, which is great in certain respects but challenge yourself more yeah, because so many people will come and start training with me. And as uh, I know, a lot of us use like a morning routine and in ours, it's press ups. But the amount of people who've regularly trained, like regularly, but can't do a body weight press up mm. or, you know, have never progressed from a box or from their knees. And that's really interesting to me because you can be really fit but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're really strong. And if you've been someone who's been quite calorie restrictive, it might be, because I speak to people a lot who definitely are on the overtraining side. I'm like, do you realize that you're overtraining? It's it's really um, restricting your ability to make kind of meaningful change for your future self because you're just eating away the muscle. You're not having enough rest. You haven't got enough calories. You don't have enough protein. And it's then they kind of get caught in this loop of overtraining because they kind of want to eat whatever they like, but then they feel they have to overtrain it away. But their body doesn't change. They don't get any stronger. They're not really getting any fitter. Like none of the markers that you would really want are none of the meaningful markers are shifting. They're just sort of stuck in this loop of more is more is more. It's funny mm-hmm. you mentioned press ups there. It's just Katie, it made me think something that I come across a lot, particularly with ladies who are new to to formal exercise, is this real distinction between lower body and upper body. Upper body, I knew. And there's this almost this demonization of of upper body, and that you know I don't want to look bulky. Like honestly, to get great shoulders, it takes years, it takes years, years, a lot of pressing and a lot of lat raises to get good uh, good shoulder. But there's this real. Um, almost differentiation between the muscle on our on our body and and I want to start by saying it's perfectly normal for females to be weaker on their upper body uh, than their lower our largest muscles are in our lower in our lower half and we traditionally probably haven't used our upper body to the same extent I've had girls come to me and they've maybe trained glutes four or five times a week historically if you've done that, your lower body is going to be stronger. Yeah. Can I just add to that? I am flip reverse. I should be a man. My upper body has always been stronger, but that's because you're a handstander. Gymnastics. Absolute triangle. Yeah. My, my upper body is always, but I think that's been a, almost to my detriment, an overcompensation. So yeah. in trying to um, 
in even it out I just now have a much stronger upper body interesting. just to, just talking to that just for a second what really hit home for me was the chat about children and yeah. the fact that obviously you're wanting to switch on their satellite cells so they are creating muscle and actually our environment is set up for us not to move for our children not to move and in my new yeah. house, I already want like monkey bars. I want, I think boys are more prone to doing a few press ups or doing like a bit of movement. But as in, we need to be like, if you're listening to this and you've got a kid, just have a think. Like, when do they use their upper body? Like, uh, yes, they walk or run, but when do they use their upper body? Katie, I'm going to put you in touch with my friend, um, Ellie, who's a posture um, consultant and mm-hmm. well, she- she would call call herself a posture coach and she is all about that in her house because I'm quite good friends with that in her house she has the most uncomfortable sofas because we sit in things that support us all the time and switch off our muscles whereas actually if you sit you know when you go to a workshop or something and you have to sit on the floor and take notes like it kills your back it kills your legs to have to actually sit upright and sit on the floor and that's because we've all got very lazy and we're not switching on our muscles to sit upright and naturally use those muscles we sit in soft reclining chairs all the time I mean I'm sat yeah. in a bed you know yeah. and my did you just move curvy. your posture did you just move forward I did just move up <laughs> yeah but, um, <laughs> she very much and I've, I'm trying to do this with Eric she very much talks about your posture and muscular um atrophy can very much be affected from you know Eric's age he's 10 weeks because if I'm constantly putting him in his um car seat in the pram in things like that that have got a curvature in his spine he's not having to use those muscles and then yeah. he won't gain those muscles and we actually see scoliosis and uh muscular and uh spinal deformities happen from this early on because of what we're doing as a society and we're putting our kids in shoes that are trapping their feet in and they're causing them to have bunions from a, a small age that then that bunion then can cause a knee issue a hip issue so there's all these things that we can do from a really early age but again you can still manipulate these things as an adult like you don't yeah. have to sit in a reclining chair to do your office work you sign no. you can sit on a swiss ball you know you can sit on the floor instead of sitting on the sofa and stand up instead of sitting on the bus and stuff like that you know so it's just even little things like that, switching on your muscles each and every day and getting yourself out of this kind of lazy comfort yeah. um, habit is really, really key. Um, I've always been a floor sitter. Whenever I go to someone's house, I always, you know, if they're like, oh, sit down, like when everyone sits on the sofa, I just sit on the floor. But I think yeah. I just... oh, that's real. you have to put me in contact. I'd be really good. I'm aware yeah. of the time. There's a couple yes. of things we haven't talked about. Um, I think one thing that also really hit me before we move on to protein is like, I think she said the stat and it was like 60% of the UK population is um, has a metabolic disease of some sort. So actually the normal and the average is to be sick. And I just thought that was, yeah, it was real. And actually it was even higher in the States. So for the adult population, like 60% of us have some form of metabolic disease. And this is the other thing she said, which I think is worth saying again, like some of your workouts can suck. Like you don't have to, you know, like, and I really, I quite liked her. We were chatting about it a bit before and we had our pre-chat and sometimes our job as your coaches, if you're listening to this, you're probably in one of our worlds is, you know, we're not here to sugarcoat it. Like, actually, we're just going to give you some facts. If you want to be the average person with a metabolic disease, you can be like, you will be in the majority of people who go on to have a metabolic disease. You don't have to be, you get the choice to choose. If you're listening to this, 
you are you do have a choice to fill up your basket with different foods you do have like 10 minutes in your day to get down on the floor and do some press-ups do some body weight squats you know like all of us have choices but I, I really liked her kind of like rather than sugarcoating it like actually you have to that's not really a choice if you want to live and future-proof your body you don't really have a choice not to train your body to put your muscles under tension. I mean, you do, but then you, you know, I just quite liked it because I think so much, and I know we're all really empathetic coaches, but I did quite like that. She was just like, some of these, some of these workouts are going to suck for you. And yeah. you don't feel highly motivated to go and pick up like that really heavy thing off the floor. And, you know, the HIIT training is uncomfortable. It, you know, you might like it afterwards, but nobody enjoys it at the actual time of doing it. And that's okay. Yes, it can suck. <laughs> yeah. Did you, um, talking about Dr. Chatterjee, have you listened to his interview with Stephen Bartlett? No, is it good? I'll send oh, that he... to you because he basically talks through his morning routine and how he fits in workouts. Because obviously he's a doctor and he's a practicing doctor. He has to be at work at a certain time and he meditates and works out every single morning. And he does a five minute workout every morning. And he oh, does I... that. He habit stacks. He does that when he pours his coffee or makes yeah, his coffee. Have, and it's literally like he has a kettlebell in the corner of the room. He does a five minute hit workout and that's all he does. He does it every single day. And I was like, do you know what? That is gold because for a majority of people, they are out the door at 7 a.m., 8 a.m. And they don't have time. You know, actually, they don't have a lot of time. They're traveling in the car back. They're not home through the door until 8 p.m. Then they have to eat their dinner. Then they're absolutely knackered. So actually knowing where you can fit in this slot of time to work out and that five minutes makes all the difference. I'm constantly saying to my clients, 10 minutes matters, like 10 minutes goes a long way. Snacking. Yeah, exactly. You have to think about what the domino effect of that 10 minutes causes to your day. If you get that is the first thing that you do in the morning, think about what the the headspace that that puts you in for the rest of the day. So actually, we are talking about the exercise in, in a satellite itself, the importance of doing that. But what I would be even more conscious about is the positive spiral that then that puts you in for the remainder yeah. of the day. Yeah. That's where the magic happens there. So before you go, I don't have enough time. You've got 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, just because I don't want to lose the opportunity to chat about protein and what I freaking loved about her was the fact that she talked about saturating this response and whether you're hitting it or not. And I don't think people think about this. I think they think cumulatively across the day. Am I am I meeting my and I try and give really realistic protein targets. And I think if you listen to the podcast, you'd be a bit like, oh, my God, I'll never hit that. But I suppose the take homes for me from protein are you think about it a bit more like a pregnancy test you either saturate the response or you don't so it's like you're pregnant or you're not pregnant and the most important meal of the day she talks about saturating that response is breakfast so I know people who listen to this quite like to have like one thing to think about and I would say with 100% of the women I work with the one meal what I would guarantee most of them are not hitting protein is at breakfast um the thing is it doesn't need to be difficult find yourself three to four breakfast options that you know will give you a give you that protein value that you want have a couple of ones for during the week have a nice one that you can spend a little bit more time with at the weekend stick it doesn't give me your favorites caroline because i think like people hear about mine all the freaking time but she talks about 30 grams as being minimum protein um if you are eating animal sources and she talks about 50 to 55 grams if you're plant-based because it's less bioavailable the body can't use it in the same way which again i think will shock lots of people who are plant-based but 
let's hear some actual examples. Go, Caroline. What I'm do you the like? worst because I only eat two breakfasts. I, I, I mean this. I have a weekend. I have a weekend one and a weekday one. Weekday, I have. I don't weigh anything, but I have the little bit of oats in the bottom of my bowl. I have a scoop of whey protein, berries, and some nut butter. That's during the week. Yeah, okay. Um, training, non-training day, same breakfast every single day, and then at breakfast, I will have two eggs, some egg whites, and I either like a bacon medallion. Yep. Or some heck sausages. Yeah. Okay. Angie. I, I, we're all going to sound very Overnight oats, overnight oats with, again, I don't weigh. So, um, oats, chia seeds, seeds, um, scoop of protein powder and berries. I actually bought some fresh figs yesterday and I put a fresh fig in my uh, oats this morning. Well, overnight. Um, or I have, I absolutely love uh, poached eggs, avocado with crumpets. And I'll usually have a protein yogurt alongside that because the two eggs doesn't usually hit your protein target. Um, and then sometimes I'll make protein pancakes again with a scoop of protein, a banana, an egg and um a tablespoon of oats and you blend it and yeah. whack it on oh and that's God, it. we're so all the same we're like little February. but when the thing I is, have a kitchen the easiest one protein pot put an extra scoop in you're yeah. absolutely golden I literally was going to Tesco buying a uh fire yogurt and then putting an extra scoop in the thing about protein wow. powder put it in a little Tupperware put it in your handbag literally have some in the car it's yeah. it's, it's doable it's very very doable and um, some people forward thinking some people don't like the taste of whey proteins. I've got a couple of clients like that and um, my protein do a clear whey. So it's like a drink um, and you could just drink that whilst you're working out as well. So. Yeah, I've tried it. I've got peach tea. I'm not, it's been in the cupboard a long time. I'm not, I'm not a massive fan. Anyone a fan? I, I have tried the peach. I've tried the mojito one and that's quite nice. Is it? Okay. Mm. Katie, think, this is a, um, we just need to toughen up and do it situation. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 fine, fine, fine. I mean, I don't have any problems hitting protein, but I want that to be your one take home. Like it's better to saturate your response twice. So, I mean, I often talk about trying to hit like 25 to 30 <laughs> four times a day, but you need to saturate the response. If you're listening to this and you can often look at protein bars, and they're like 12 grams or 15 grams and often these plant-based ones as well. And I love what you said, Angie, that you know that two eggs isn't enough. So you have a protein yogurt. And I don't think people think like that. It's either have more of the protein you're having, like have a scoop and a half of protein powder. Why not? Like just push it over that kind of 25 grams, like nearer to the 30, nudge it in that direction or have something in addition. Like yesterday, my lunch was a soup. There definitely wasn't enough protein. So I have a high protein yogurt afterwards. Like it's across the meal. Egg yeah. whites are the best thing. Put egg whites in your oats. Yeah. Put egg, in whites in your oats. Put egg whites in your oats and microwave them. Absolutely glorious. It makes really? it yeah I can't um, remember the accurate uh, amount so you two might know this but in order to stimulate stimulate muscle muscle protein synthesis for the leucine to kick in I think you need 25 grams of protein per serve or 30 he's talking, he's talking closer to 30 yeah and it's the so, leucine isn't it which is why if you're plant-based it needs to be even higher and or you can take some branch chain amino acids if you're plant-based to help with the leucine I, that was a bit biological for me Caroline yeah, you want the, the leucine is the main player in that and 25 to 30 is what I always recommend four times a day if you can. Yeah, 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 me too. I'm, I'm glad we're all seeing off the, so hopefully guys, 
Dr. Chatty's podcast was really long and I feel like we nailed it in less than half an hour. So thank you. And thank you, Eric, for being so good. Um, and I, I love the fact, Angie, that you're back already on the podcast with us. Well, you know, I've got nothing else to do. It's just another episode of Netflix otherwise. So <laughs> I love hanging out with you guys. What am I talking about? Of course you do. Well, we will plan these in more regularly as well. And um, if it was useful, if you can think of a topic that you would particularly like the three of us, like three coaches is surely better than one, um, let me know. I know that all of us are very open. Our DMs are always open. If you ever want to chat with any one of us, just drop us a little message. We're all available via our social channels. And um, thank you for your time, ladies. I'll Thanks stop recording. Thank you. I've got to us. find the stop record, obviously. I always lose it. I can never. Where does it, it go? There it is.